0: You can go ahead and be opening your Bible to Psalm 119. As you think about the Lord's Supper and think about the life of Jesus and His crucifixion, one of the things that should be obvious to us is that Jesus did not do things by accident. He didn't get up in the morning and say, well, whatever happens today happens. Jesus came into this world with a very clear purpose, with a very clear mission, it was for me and you. It's for all of us to die on the cross so we could be saved. His life had a purpose, and yet it's amazing and discouraging at times how hard it is for us to to seemingly live day after day with clear purpose, with a with a clear commitment to to mission and purpose in life. We we all know a lot of people who live a very Frivolous life. I uh, I was intrigued to, to read about a, a man named Tim, whose picture you'll see on the screen here in just a second. Uh, last year, he participated in the world in the first listen the the first World Burping Championship. I didn't know there was such a thing, but he did. He participated in the world in the first World's Burping Championship, and he won in preparation he he drank over a gallon of diet coke and mountain dew and then stepped up to a microphone let out a burp that lasted just over 18 seconds you can watch it on youtube if you want to he won now you know that's that's silly and we we, we laugh at it but it's a but isn't it true that 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 sometimes people waste their life their whole life year after year on On silly things, on things that that really don't make a difference, things that don't bring purpose and joy to them and to their family. And so I want to ask all of us this morning, I want to ask you, are you living a life that that has purpose and very clear direction, Or, 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 or are you living by accident? I mean, is there a clear design to how you're living, a clear purpose to how you're living, or is it just What comes day after, living by accident. You get out of bed and whatever comes that day comes to you. Are you you being intentional about how you're living, what you're living for, and why you're living? Are you being intentional? Or are you just hoping for luck and that sooner or later things work out for you? I mean, how, how are you living? And to those of you who are young adults and teenagers in this room, I mean, you've got your life in front of you. Where do you want to go? What kind of person do you want to be? What kind of life do you want to live? When you get to the end of your journey and you look back, what do you hope to see? What do you hope your life has meant? Are you living with purpose and with intentionality and or, or not? And I'm afraid that a lot of times we don't live with very clear intention, very clear purpose. We just go day after day, hope it works out. And uh, sometimes it does, but often it doesn't. So this morning, I want us to think for a few moments about living an intentional lifestyle, living an intentional life. We've been studying Psalm 119 for the past few weeks, and we're going to continue that series today because this is the longest chapter in the Scripture, in the Bible, and it it talks about the role that God's Word plays in our lives. And one of the things I really want you to get this morning is that if you want to live a life that has clear purpose, if you want to live a life that, that is intentional and not a life that's an accident, that you know just get up and you depend on luck and happiness, but very clear purpose, very clear intention in your life, then God's Word and you allowing God to use His Word in your life to give you that direction is the key to living an intentional, purposeful life. So I want us to study that in some verses in Psalm 119 that talk about it because one of the things we'll learn is that God's Word shows us how to live an intentional life. If you want to know how to do it, look to Scripture. God tells us in His Word how to do that. So look at one verse, verse 112, please, Psalm 119, verse 112. Notice what He said. He said, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. Now, look at that again. He said, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. Remember, there are, there are eight words used over and over and over, eight Hebrew words in Psalm 119 that refer to Scripture, refer to the Bible, the Word of God. And one of those is this word, statutes. And so he's saying, God, my heart, I've taken it and I've inclined it toward your Scripture toward your word forever. That's how I want to spend all of my life. And when it says in verse 112, perform, your Bible may say keep or obey or do. Here's the interesting thing about that word. It comes from a Hebrew word that usually in later usage meant to work or to do things. But the root word has the idea of, of building something, of creating something. That that when you work, you're not just laboring, but you labor, you work because you're trying to produce something. There's an outcome you're looking for. You're trying to create something. You're trying to build something. And so the author, this man who loved the Lord and was seeking God with all of his heart, he said, God, I want to spend forever. I want to spend my whole life with my heart bent toward, leaning toward, creating, creating a life that is shaped by your word. I I want to do your word, obey your word. I want to build something. I want to create something. By obedience to your word, I want to create the right kind of life. It's kind of like this. Over in the the admin building, we have stacks of paper that thick. Blueprints to all the facilities on this campus. When you build something, there are blueprints. tells you, you know how to build a building. Any of you ladies, uh, any of you ladies, do create, you know, make clothing and all that. You ever had a, you ever had a pattern? You guys who like doing, like to do woodwork, you can have a pattern to follow, and you follow that pattern. And as you work, you're building, you're creating something. And the the author is saying, God, I want to build a life. I want to create a life, and and I'm going to use your scripture. I'm going to use your word, the Bible, like a blueprint. So that I can build the right kind of life. I'm going to use your scripture, your word, like, like a pattern. So that when I build my life, I want my life to increasingly look like what the scripture says a follower of Jesus is to look like. In the New Testament, it says that, that our goal in life as disciples is to imitate Christ. To become more and more like Christ. Well, if you want to become more and more like Christ, this is the blueprint. You read the life of Christ. You read the teachings of Christ. You pattern your life after what He says. And you, this is your blueprint. This is your pattern for building a life that, that has a direction and a purpose to it, like the life that Jesus lived. But there's more to it than that. Look at verse 32, because He says not only not only is, is God's word a, a blueprint, but His word also lays out the route that we're to follow, the directions the directions that, that you're, you're to follow as you travel day after day and year after year and decade after decade in life. Look at verse 32. He said, I shall run the way of your commandments. Notice that. I will run the way of your commandments. Your Bible may say pursue the path or the course. Run the course. Pursue the path. Follow the course. It's the image of, of direction. We've got long-distance runners in this church. You know, the route is laid out before they ever start the race, and they follow that that route. Any of you, uh, how many of you like to, to, to go hiking? How many of you like to hike? Anybody? Any hikers in the room? If you go to parks and stuff, you'll find a map, and here's all these trails, and you can choose the trail you want to hike based on how long it is, how strenuous it is, you know, what kind of shape you're in, and you follow the route. And if you stay on the course, you stay on the path, you stay on the route, you end up in the right place. If you get off, what happens? You get lost, and you have to find your way back. And what he says is scripture. Scripture is it's like a path. It's like a, a hiking trail. It's like a course that's been laid out for you. It's like a, a long-distance runner, and here, here's the course you, you, you race. And if you want to live a life that goes somewhere, that goes somewhere you want it to go, a life that intentionally ends up in a good place, that intentionally ends up in the right place, that intentionally ends up where where God wants your life to end up. Because, listen, nobody loves you more than he does. And nobody has better designs for your life than he does. Nobody wants your life to count more than God does. And so God's laying out this course for your life. And the question is, are we going to follow it? So if you want to live that kind of life, have that kind of intention, that that kind of clarity to see that you get to the right place, then he says, this is is the answer. Follow the course that God's laid out in scripture for how a believer is to live. I mean, when, when you're traveling somewhere, good directions are important. You know, having, having a, a good map, having a sense of where you're going, having a good GPS, all of that, that, that matters. In fact, earlier this year, there was a, a 67-year-old woman in Belgium who was uh, driving to Brussels. And if you've ever been to Brussels, it's a, it's a beautiful city. And she was going to Brussels to pick up a friend. Brussels was about 90 miles from her home. She had her GPS. She put the address in. The problem was the directions that came up were faulty. So she had this 90-minute drive from her home to her friend's house in Brussels, Belgium. She started following the directions on her GPS. She drove all the way from Brussels, Belgium to Croatia. Now, for those of you who are not into geography, she went through France, Germany, and I would imagine northern Italy to get over to Croatia. She drove, listen, 1,000 miles. Her friend only lived 90 miles away, but she drove 1,000 miles. She crossed five international borders. She stopped several times to get gas and to take naps. And she kept going until she got all the way to the capital of Croatia. After a few days, her son became worried about her, contacted the authorities, and using you know, uh, information on, from her credit card and so on, they were able to locate her. This is what she said when she was interviewed about it. She said, I was distracted, so I kept going. Man, isn't that a great way to live? I don't know where I'm going, and I'm distracted, but I'm going to keep going this direction. It's like the person who says, I am so tired of hurting. I'm so I'm so worn out from all the pain I'm creating. I'm so weary from all the messes I'm making. But I'm going to keep going. And that's how a lot of people live, unfortunately. We get distracted by this. We get distracted by whatever. And we just, we just, we just keep going. She kept, she kept going for 1,000 miles. She said, I saw all kinds of signs, first in French and then in German and finally in Croatian. But I continued driving because I was distracted. When I got to the capital of Croatia, I finally decided to turn around. Some of you are in the last stages of your life on this planet. And you've been distracted from God's plan for your life the whole time. It's where you wanted to go just like she wanted to go get her friend in Brussels. You've, You've been telling yourself for years, I really want Jesus. I really want to live A dedicated life. I really want to be a godly man, a godly woman. I want to be obedient. I want to grow. I want to be mature. You've been saying that to yourself. But there's all these other distractions, whether it's career, family issues, having fun, hobbies, boredom, laziness, whatever it is. There's all these distractions. You just kept going the way you've been going. And now you're over in Croatia. You don't have many years left. You know it. And look at all that's behind you. If that's where you are, why do you want the days you have left to be like the ones you've already lived? Why not build something better in these last days? Why not build something more significant? Why not build something that, that when you're gone, your influence, your contribution to, to the kingdom of God makes a difference. And if you're a younger adult, why, why do you want to keep driving in the wrong direction? distracted by all. Listen, this world has so many things to put in front of us to get our mind off the things of God. Why do you want to spend your life distracted from what you've said in your heart really is important to you? If Jesus is important, if living a, a purposeful life, if living an intentional life matters to you, then, then then follow His GPS. The directions you follow matter because whatever directions you follow, they will take you where they're going to take you. And only God's directions get you to the kind of life That God has designed for you. So, where are you getting your guidance today? Where are you getting your direction for life? And how long, how long are you willing to travel in the wrong direction? Now, hear me. It's not enough to simply know what Scripture says. There's a lot of us in this room. We've been in Sunday school for decades. We've been in church for decades. We 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 know what the Bible says. It's not enough to simply know the directions. You have to follow them. You have to follow them. Because you won't get where the directions want you to go if you don't listen to them and you don't follow them. And so, if if you and I are going to live an intentional life, just knowing what the direction book says, what the guidebook says, what the blueprints tell us to do, just knowing what it says is not sufficient. Being intentional requires certain things of us, it requires a commitment, a commitment to the directions. A commitment to what God God has said. Look at verse 31 in Psalm 119. He said, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. I cling to your testimonies. That word cling to, or your Bible may translate it as hold, hold fast to or be stuck to. It means just what you think it does. It comes from a root word that means to stick to something. To stick to it, to adhere to it. Interestingly, it's the same Hebrew word used in Genesis chapter 2 when God created Adam and Eve. And he said, A man is to leave his father and mother and do what to his wife? Cling to her, cleave to her, stick to her, be glued to her, adhere to her. It's the same word. And so the picture is, just as God says, a husband and wife are to be committed to one another, be stuck to each other like glue, He, he he's, the, the psalmist is saying, God... Look at it. God, that's that's how I am about your testimonies, about what you have said. God, I want to stick to it. I want to adhere to your directions. I don't ever want to let go of them. I don't want to ever be separated from God. I want to stick to be glued, adhere to your teaching, to your truth, to your guidance for my life, just like you expect us as husbands and wives to be devoted and committed to each other. And there are some, there are some people in this room, you've been married so long, and you love each other. And there are some young couples that if you really want to, want to learn how to have a great marriage, look at some of these older ones in here. They can really help you with that. Don't look to the people who have failed. Look to the people who are succeeding and learn from them if you want to have a great marriage. And there's some some couples in here. By the way, if you've been married 50 years, would you wave at me? Come on, wave. You've been married 50 years. Hi, wave. Hey, give them all a hand. 50 years. Celebrate that. God says you're to stick to one another, adhere to one another. He said the same way, you're to stick to me. You're to stick to my truth. You're to stick to my guidebook. Have that kind of devotion to the Word of God, to the truth of God. We, we, we see it in couples. A couple weeks ago, a lot of the news was about uh, that cruise ship over in, you know, off the coast of Italy that sank about a year and a half ago. I think 30-some people lost their lives, and they were finally able to get it upright and on a platform so they could salvage it. It got me thinking about something I read when that ship uh, hit those rocks and sank January a year ago. One of the uh, people who died was a 61-year-old man named Francis. His 60-year-old wife, Nicole, was with him, it was a gift from their kids for her 60th birthday. And when the, the ship started sinking and everyone started jumping overboard into the water, she panicked. Nicole, 60 years old, panicked because she couldn't swim. She had on a life jacket, but she was still scared. And and Francis took off his life jacket. And to help her feel more comfortable, gave her his And he said, it'll be okay. She never saw him again because the water that he jumped into was eight degrees without a life jacket. See, when you're you're devoted to someone or something, you stick to it. You'll sacrifice for it. When, when, when we're devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're devoted to the truth of Scripture, when we, when we cling to what God says, it shapes us. It transforms us. It motivates us. It determines our want-tos and our how-tos. It, it sets the pattern for our life because we love it. It's, it's not just something over here on the side that hey, we're kind of glad we have, but it's at the very heart of who we are. And if you want to live an intentional life, it's going to take that kind of devotion. You will not live a purposeful life as a disciple of Jesus by accident, just getting up in the morning and hoping it happens. Intentionality takes a commitment, a, a clinging to that, that comes from a heart of love. But it also requires very real focus, a very clear, determined focus. Look in Psalm 119 at verse 110. Verse 110. He said, the wicked have laid a, a snare for me. Have you ever had it? people who made life difficult on you, for you. Hmm. You you ever had bad things happen in life? He said, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. Precepts being another one of those words, eight Hebrew words in Psalm 119 for Scripture, for the Word of God. He said, God, I've not gone astray from it. Your Bible may say, I think the King James says, erred from or "Wandered from. It's the, it's the picture of staggering around and wandering off. You ever, you, you, you have these stories we sometimes hear about people getting lost while they're out uh, hiking in national parks or especially out in the southwest, you hear about it a lot. People just, they just get lost. They just kind of start walking and they lose sight of the trail and they wander off. That's the picture here. And sometimes they'll see something and they they want to go over and check it out. And because they're distracted by it, they're they're led astray by it, they wander off the path and and, and they get off so far they they can't get back. This word has the idea, has the the sense of of being seduced by something that gets you off course. And and I've known people who they've been walking with the Lord and they've been active in church, but something over here happened. It was a, a hobby they really started investing in. And the next thing you know, they, they were so seduced by that hobby, investing it to the point that they, they were missing worship and Sunday school more often than they were attending. They, they, weren't, they, they weren't making time for fellowship and for service and for Bible study and for prayer because they got so busy with this other stuff. You know, listen, God blesses us with a lot of things, but sometimes if we're not careful, we can allow the resources and the blessings of God to become the very thing that seduces us away from faithfulness to God. And it's easy to do. Sometimes Satan does not have to use something bad to get us off the path, he can use something nice. He can use something that's good, and it gets us off the path. And the next thing you know, we're so far off the path, we're struggling to get back on it again. If you're going to live a life that, that, that has purpose and that has intentionality to do it, you've got to stay focused on the path, focused on the trail, focused on the Scripture, focused on biblical principles, focused on obeying God, and not allow other things, whether they are good things or bad things. Big things or even little things to distract you, to seduce you, and get you off that path. It happens way too easily. But there's a last. There's a last thing. We're going to live an intentional life. It's going to require some passion. It's going to require some some heart. Go back to verse 112 again. One last time, verse 112. He said, "I have inclined my heart to perform." Your statutes. And we said perform is the idea of working to create something, to build something. God, I'm going to build a life that comes from obedience to your word. But I want you to focus for just a moment on that phrase, inclined my heart. Inclined my heart. It's a Hebrew word that at its essence means to stretch towards something, to lean towards something, to bend towards something. God, my heart. I want to stretch it toward creating a life based on obedience to your word. God, I want to bend my heart in the direction of your word, of your truth. Monisa was a senior in college when we started dating. I was her pastor. And on Sunday mornings the drive to the church past her house. I had to look down a small hill and across a creek, and over there in the distance was the house that her parents lived in. And I can remember every Sunday morning before we started dating because I was already interested in her driving to church to preach. And when I would get to that curve in the road, because it was on this side on on the passenger side, I would kind of lean and I wanted to see that little white car she drove because I knew if that little white car was sitting in the driveway, she was home for the weekend and would be at church. And when that little white car was not sitting there, I was so disappointed. God, I'm, I'm leaning toward, I'm taking my heart, and I'm leaning it toward, I'm, I'm stretching it toward you, God. God. I'm stretching it toward your word because I want my life to be built on your word. I want my existence to be created. I want my purpose to be created out of what your word teaches I'm supposed to be about as a follower of Jesus Christ. God, I want my heart to be there. I want to lean it toward. I want to stretch toward those things. Where's your heart this morning? How much of your heart is stretched toward Jesus? I mean, our hearts get pulled in a lot of different directions. We have family, and that's a beautiful thing for our heart to go that direction. Y'all pray for me this week. Liam, our grandson's going to they're going back to Italy this week. It's going to be a funeral at our house. Pray for us. Our hearts get stretched toward Clemson, and Carolina, and Kentucky, and all these other teams, our hearts get stretched toward a lot of stuff. But how, how much of this leans toward, is stretched toward Jesus and his word and his guidance for my life and his lordship and his... Uh, how much of my heart goes that way? And, and, and you know how I can tell how much of my heart goes that way? It's not primarily by how I feel, but what I do. We're spending some money right now because we had a professional photographer come to the house yesterday to take pictures of all the family before they go back to Italy. You put your money where your heart is. You put your time where your heart is. You put your energy where your heart is, Right? Right? If you're, I mean, some of you get up early and drive to Clemson, Tailgate, go to a game, get home at midnight, or some who are not here stay over and miss church the next morning. Because you put your time and your money and your focus where your heart is, right? How much of this is in the kingdom of God? How much of this is in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or or is it there was a time when a lot of it was there. But kind of like some marriages that couples have allowed to grow stale. You've let yours grow stale. You know, the good news is that Jesus loves you today as much as he did yesterday. Even if you don't love him as much today as you did yesterday. But because he still loves you, he will hug you. He will forgive you. He will heal you. He will help you. He will welcome you. Just like that father with his prodigal son. But you've got to come to him. You've got to bring your heart to him. You've got to bring your life to him. You've got to bring all that's a part of who you are to him. Bend your heart. Bend your heart. Bend your heart toward God and toward the word of God let's stand for prayer Father I pray for every person in this room right now to, to, to both hear your voice and respond with obedience to what you're saying God, I pray for those whose love has grown a little bit cold that you will stir within them now a new passion for you. Help us obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing our song of invitation. We'll be waiting for you here at the front. If you'd like to come and talk with one of us about your relationship with Christ, if you'd like to come and give your life to Jesus and become a follower, But others of you need to come and get on your knees here and and just be honest with God about where your heart is and honest with God about where you want your heart to be. Honest with God about what you're investing your life in and what you want to invest in. Honest about the purpose and intentionality with which you're living or or if you reach reached that point that you just day after day, just whatever happens. Or is there a clear intentionality anymore? And, and I'm asking you not just to stand there and say, oh, that's a good thought. I'm asking you to respond to it. I'm asking you to do something. Because remember, knowing Scripture is not enough. You have to act on it. Just just sensing that God's saying something's insufficient, you got to respond to what God is saying. And so you need to talk to God right now. You need to tell God something right now. You need to respond to Him. And you need to respond to Him after you leave here with, with, with a change of some kind with an obedient act of some kind. So come and pray. Come and make your decision for the Lord while we sing right now. Come on.